Everybody have a good week? We had a crazy busy week with everything going on and family and everything here and different things happening as well as with uh, the ordination transfer this year and, and uh, or this week and that and that was uh, just, uh, and I, I don't know if I clarified it or not, but really I wasn't officially being ordained again. It was a transfer of my ordination, my papers with the Assemblies of God. So that's a little bit different than me actually being ordained, but it, uh, to me it's, it's a very significant part, so we're excited to be a part of that and seeing what God's doing. Amen? Good stuff, and uh, thank you all for your love and support. We had a great group that came out and was able to make it down there. I know it's hard for everybody to get out, and it wasn't something that we promoted for everybody, but people had asked if they could come, and so we did have a lot of great friends come. We just thank everybody for being a part of that. Praise the Lord. Before we shift real quick, we want to do this. Uh, Jeff, would you come? We want to pray for you this morning. And uh, Jeff's going in for a procedure tomorrow. And uh, what we're trying to get us to understand and just to believe is that we as, as family, come on family, come on up here, is that family and friends, we want you connected one another. We have the cards you're filling out are called connect cards. And uh, when you get saved, the Bible says that you're baptized into the body of Christ. And that we're made members, this is ringing really bad, and we're made members one of another. And that's so... Uh, we, we need to be connected one to another. Last week we were praying for family members in our church that had lost loved ones and that. And so we're connected. And something dynamic happens when we be go, go beyond congregating together and we move into connecting to one another, living with one another, sharing needs with one another. Because there will be different times in different places where you can impart to somebody that maybe somebody else can't. The gifts and the abilities, the compassion and, and the experiences that you have in your life will minister to somebody else. So uh, it's important. <coughs> that we learn how to connect with one another and how to care for one another. Amen? Amen. So Jeff's going in. They're going to do a procedure on him tomorrow and uh, dealing with your heart and stuff. Would you just stretch your hands out here as we lay our hands on him? Father, today in the name of Jesus, Lord, his family and his friends and his members of the body together, Lord, we thank you that Jeff's not going alone, but Father, he's going as one of us, Lord, so we lay our hands on him. We thank you, Father, for your promise that you are the healer. You are the one who restores our bodies, Father. We look to you. Your name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. So we thank you for that. You declared that that's who you would be. I'm the Lord thy God that healeth thee. So we thank you, Father, for your healing power and your provision. Lord, we thank you for the good gift of medicine. We thank you for doctors and surgeons. We thank you for the, the research and the knowledge that they have, Father. And we thank you that they bring aid and assistance. But we thank you that you're God and you're the healer and you're the answer for every need. So we pray your peace right now. Father, we thank you for a successful procedure, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to work mightily in his life. We just pray your peace over the family and over his heart, Father. And we thank you, Lord, for the good report. And we thank you for complete recovery and restored life because you're not finished with this man of God yet. You have great deeds, great purpose, and great things to accomplish through his life. So, Father, we thank you. You're bringing renewal. You're bringing restored strength. And we just give you praise for today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Bless you, my friend. Hallelujah. The Lord's good. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Let me just say a couple of other things this morning while we're doing that, that uh, also uh, 
in, in with this week coming up, with the, especially with the, um, the, uh, with the National Day of Prayer and encouraging to come out Thursday afternoon. It'll, it'll, uh, we'll be there around between 5 and 6 getting everything set up. But if you could come join us at 6. This year what God's doing is so powerful that we have churches coming together around this in a greater way than we ever have before and for our community. And it's, it's a powerful statement, especially in our county, when they see 10 churches coming together to pray together for our county, for our government, for everyone. Amen? So I, I'm just going to encourage you, just look at your county. If you have to rearrange something or do something, just go ahead and do that. Say, you know what, I want to be a part of that. I, I want to connect, and I want to be a part of that, and I want to be there to pray with other members of the, of the body of Christ in the community, and I want to be, I want my voice to be united together. Amen? It'll be so powerful. We have pastors coming that are praying over specific areas, so we really, really look forward to you joining us and being there. Praise the Lord. Well, did everybody have your outline this morning? Praise the Lord. Well, this morning we're going to finish our message on transformation of grace, the transforming power of grace. And uh, today we're going to talk for a few moments about relationships and how grace empowers us for change relationship. How many have ever had a struggle in a relationship? Yeah, if, if it, it just happened, praise the Lord, that's the way it goes. And, uh, but with that, there's grace for that. So let's look at our memory verse this morning. It says this, and it's there on your outline. You probably have it on the screen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Amen? Come on, let's read it out loud together. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now make this confession with me out loud. Today I choose to live by the power of God's grace working in my life. I choose to be led by the Spirit and not my own desires. I will yield to His will and live for His purpose. I will trust Him to lead me and to guide me into all truth, giving me the clarity I will need in every decision and the right response in every situation. Father, I thank You today for the power and the presence of Your Holy Spirit. Jesus, You said it was to our advantage and it was expedient for us that you would go away so that the Holy Spirit would come. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are present with us. You live within us. And then we thank you that you are also upon us and you anoint us and equip us with your power and your provision so that we can live life as Jesus died to redeem us and live the life that completely belongs to us through his broken body and his shed blood as we celebrated this morning. Holy Spirit, do what you do. Open our eyes to see, our hearts to receive, and our ears to hear all that you have. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this morning, we just want to walk through a few little things and talk about a relationship. I'm going to deal with it in two areas. One is in church. And the other is in our home and in our families and uh, help us maybe see some clarity and understanding that. Jesus said there's two commandments that he declared that directly deal with relationships in our life. When people came to him and, and said, what do I have to do to be saved? What's the greatest commandment? He said, this is what you do. You love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And you love your neighbor as yourself. How many know we, we could all say, you know what, it's pretty easy to love God. That neighbor thing gets a little tricky. Amen. And neighbor doesn't just mean the guy next door. It doesn't just mean the person you live next to. Neighbor is anybody but you. 
okay? <laughs> whoever, whoever is next to you at that moment, that could be your wife, that could be your kids, that, that could be the person you're sitting next to this morning in church, that's your neighbor, hallelujah. And so learning how to connect with people other than yourselves, how to have relationships other, with, uh, other th- than just with yourself and with God. It's easy for us to be introverted, to look inside and just think about relation. Well, you know, just me and my relationship with the Lord and I take care of that and that's good. But really, learning how to have relationship with people is a real challenge in our life. How many know when Jesus said, bless those that curse you? Pray for those that despitefully use you. Okay, I agree with that, and that's in the Bible. But in order to do that, that's going to take a real change in my life. Amen? Uh, I'm going to need some power other than just my own to get that done. How many would agree? And so loving the unlovable, loving those who, who challenge us in different ways in relationship is always something that we need more power than we have just within ourselves. So to love God and to love yourself are both impossible without the transforming power of His grace working in our lives. The only hard thing about relationships is people. Do you agree? This would be great if I didn't have to deal with people. Amen. And I have people tell me that all the time. I, I meet people when they go to church or doing it. This is a challenge. People get in church and people have got upset about church and coming together. We get upset on our jobs and because we have to interact with people. Doing all right? And, and so that challenge, but there is a way. Here's what happens. We find out in relationship whether we're living by the power of grace or whether we're doing everything in our own strength. Jesus did not die so we would have to do everything in our own strength. And the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand grace from maybe a little different perspective this morning. Somehow we separate grace from the power of the Holy Spirit. But grace is really God's power working in our lives. Amen? And that the power that works in our life is the Holy Spirit. God doesn't have a separate power from Himself. When He comes, He comes in the fullness of all that He is. Just turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 1 just for a moment. The Gospel of John in the first chapter. I say this in the encounter weekend. And uh, I believe I said it yesterday morning, but I'm thankful that the Lord has allowed me to live long enough to get past myself. Amen. That's kind of like the challenge of our teenage years. In our teenage years, we think we know it all, and then we finally get delivered from ourselves, and we move into adulthood. Amen. So uh, all the teenagers will figure that out later, praise the Lord. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says this, But as many as received him... To them he gave the power to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. If you're reading the New King James Version or another translation, it'll say the right. The original King James says, and I believe it's the best translation, it says the power to become, exousia, power to become. Look over at verse 16. And it says, and of his fullness we have all received, and what? Grace for grace. So of God's fullness we have received, but then we received this grace for grace. And so God's fullness and His power and His grace are all one thing. We, we have terms that we say differently and they're interchangeable, but the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God 
are, are, can be synonymous together in how they work in our life. And God's grace is his power. We couldn't save ourselves. We, we are saved by grace. You did not have the power to save yourself. So God provided the power of his grace. Through his grace, you were saved. How many know it took power? If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it takes power to raise somebody from the dead. Amen. And so we don't study a lot about power, but grace is power. When people say, I don't have the strength, I just don't have the energy. So what I'm lacking is power. But through the grace of God, I do have power. And so when it comes to working on relationships, when it comes to working through conflict, there is power available. To as many as received, he gave us the power to become the sons of God. And so then when we hear, love those that, that, that use you and persecute you and despitefully use you. Well, I don't have the power to, but by grace we do. Amen? By grace we do. Praise the Lord. And so, <coughs> excuse me. So when it comes to relationships and people, the challenge is you can't have one without them. Whether it's a spouse, a friend, children, church, or work, people will always be in the equation of our relationship. So God has given us the power of his grace to work in our hearts and minds, transforming them, and in turn, transforming our relationships. I've found this, that when I yield to the saving grace of God, the saving power of God, and I allow him, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, to renew our hearts, creating me a clean heart, and God begins to work, and our hearts are renewed, and, and, that. and then all of a sudden, as Sean preached last week, on the transforming of our minds, how we think about things, how we perceive things, and that's what's important for us to understand, because God never changes your mind. He changes your heart, and your heart changes your mind. Are you with me? We're, we're, we, our minds are renewed, but not just by taking in all this knowledge. If I just keep trying to shove the Word of God in my head and trying to squeeze it in my head, and it just doesn't get in there. But if I allow it to be spoken to my heart, Something to make when I receive his word the, the sower sows the word not into our head. The parable of the sower is not sowing word into our head. It's sowing word into our heart. And when the word is planted in our heart, it changes what we produce. As we talked about a good man out of the good treasure of his heart. It's not what we eat that comes in, but it's what comes out of our heart. So how do we change our heart by changing what we allow to be sown into our hearts? Amen. And so the word of God always brings that challenge to us. And so we hear, well, God, how do I work with relate? How do I love people? How do I do this? How do I interact with people? And it's so easy just to write things off and to disengage and to pull away and to isolate ourselves. And the devil goes, yes, I win. Because when you're disconnected, you're also taken away from the power that belongs to being apart and unified together. Are you with me? so important. And so the, the Bible says that, that if one can put a thousand to flight, then two can do what? Put 10,000 to flight. So what would the devil rather have you do? Deal with everything as one or deal with everything as two? And then it says a threefold cord cannot easily be broken, it says as well. Amen. And so we stand on that. And so there's strength and power in connection and in unity and working together. And God gives us the power of his grace working in our life so that we can have true relationship. The definition of relationship is there in your outline. It says this. It is defined as connection, association, 
and involvement. That's what a relationship is. You connect with somebody, you begin to associate with them, and you get involved with them. Everybody say involved. Being involved is good. Attending church is not being involved in church. Amen. So when you come in, okay, I like the church. I like what's going in. I, I give and I support it financially and I do those things. But somewhere I have to be involved. I have to plug in. I have to intermingle with people. Amen. And so being involved, a great way to do that. We have all kinds of different ways to serve in the church. And so we're not just doing it just to meet needs and to fill spots and do that. But connection does something in our life. Being involved does something that just sitting doesn't do. I was reading a, a book called uh, Revolve instead of Evolve and, uh, by a, a pastor coach. And he's talking about even with our worship and some things that have happened to us and with your, with your bulletin and uh, with the outlines and stuff, we have to make sure that we're not sucked into an entertainment mentality when it comes to church. Because many times this can turn into something that's kind of like going to a play, going to a program and stuff. And we, we call this a stage. This isn't a stage. It, it, it's a pulpit. It's a pl- but, but if we don't think about it, we think about it wrong. And so what happens is we come in and we sit and we're not engaging. We're just coming in to watch and to spectate and see the program, kind of entertain. But worship, worshiping God is engagement. You engage and you connect and you're involved in true worship. And, and years ago, Matt Redman belonged to a church in, in his home church was in England. And he's written a lot of our, our current worship songs in that, a lot that we do and that. And so through that, the church began to become very popular because the music was getting popular. So then crowds started coming, but they weren't really coming to worship and engage with God. They were coming to be a part of the show that was going on, and, and, and it became too entertained. So the pastor got really challenged about it. So one Friday night, he got some guys to help him. He came in, and he ripped out everything. Took out all the lights, all the sound, all the music, and Sunday morning, whenever he came in, there was just a chair on the stage, and he just talked about worship. And how many have ever heard the song, I'm Coming Back to a Heart of Worship? Matt Redman wrote that song after the pastor just revealed. Because worship is when you connect with God. Worship is when you know that God's invited you into a relationship with him. And he's provided the grace to deal with everything. He's given you and I the power to be able to overcome every obstacle that would hinder that relationship. Grace has come first and foremost so you and I can have relationship with God. How many know what I'm saying this morning? And so we enter into that relationship, but then it's always, how many have found since you've been married, those married couples that are here, that the more stuff that gets in your life, the more complicated your relationship comes? The same thing happens in our walk with God. The more stuff that gets in our life and our relationship with God, the more complicated it becomes. So sometimes we just need to go back to that place, say, you know what, when the music fades and all is stripped away, I just simply come, Amen. And I'm just going to worship God. I'm just going to, wait a minute, this is the moment where I'm in relationship. And church is supposed to be the congregation comes together. And this is a place where we all have people who have relationship with God. And we come and we unite. And as we worship, God does something amazing is that he brings all of our individuality and he unites us together as one. And then as we become one, he anoints us as one. And what we call that corporate anointing is something that we experience and and we're able to participate in that is beyond anything that we can ever have 
alone. But we come together because we're coming to worship God out of the relationship that we have, not to sit and be entertained or to just face forward because you're told, come in, have a seat, face forward, and just watch what goes on for the rest of this few minutes here. No, we want you to engage. Amen? That's the whole The reason years ago I started doing the outlines like I do, because I don't want you to just listen. I want you to have something to take home and say, hey, pastor preached that, but he talks so fast, I can't keep up with him. So what I'll do is I'll take this home, and I'll really study this out, because I, this isn't something I want to just hear. This is something I want to get, and I want to live this stuff out in my life. I need answers in my life, and so I need to be able to take this. And so we're trying to put a resource in your hand that you will use, and that you can grow by amen and so learn, but you you have to engage with that and that's the beginning of relationship it takes that connection that involvement and being engaged along those lines it, it can it is emotional or connect it is an emotional or an other connection between people when we are truly saved by grace our connection with people changes i believe that i i, I kind of use this as a litmus well i'm a christian well how do you do with people well, I just don't like people. Praise the Lord. I love God. I just don't care for people. You know what? I just prefer to worship God over here. And uh, you know what? I really love the Lord, but I prefer to worship God in here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. As long as I keep myself isolated, God and I have a great relationship. But as soon as people enter into my life, everything gets messed up. Well, then there's grace for your relationship. Are you with me this morning? Because if I'm saved, then I have power to deal with people. Grace does not leave us the same. It will truly change how we think about everything and everyone. If you still view people as you did before you got saved, you need to let grace work in your life. Amen? Let grace do and have its perfect work in your life. Two areas of the relationship. We're talking about church, the family of God, and the home. There's an amazing power in God's grace to transform our relationship. Every piano that is tuned by the same tuning fork is instantly in harmony with every other piano. If we filled this room with pianos this morning and you started listening, they started playing, and, and everyone would, it would have the sound of a piano, but it, everyone would, have, would sound different if they weren't tuned together. And so you could get a piano tuner coming in, and, and, and they would have a tuning fork, and they would strike that tuning fork, and then they would tune all the pianos to that note. And then when every piano played, regardless of the make, the model, the size, whatever, they would all play in unity and in one accord together because they had been tuned by one tuner to the same note. Amen? And technically on the band, if you take the band, if everybody came in here with every instrument and say, you know, I'm just tuning, you know, I'll start with the E chord or whatever it is, and then they all tune, okay, that's the E dong, and they tune that. But if the keyboard, who, whatever instrument is leading, and if the band wants to be in perfect harmony, then they have to be tuned to the central instrument. So this guy's got to go, okay. Okay, everybody tune to that note, dun, 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 dun. and then all the guitars, everything else will be tuned. But if he says over here, I'm going to tune my guitar to this and that, then how do we know that that's the same note? And so we can be playing together, but we are not in one accord. Are you doing all right? So what grace does is it comes, and the Holy Spirit comes, and he's the tuning fork of God. 
And when we yield to the power of God's grace, whether it's in the church or whether it's in our home, our lives have been tuned by the Holy Spirit. And we flow in harmony with Him. Are you with me this morning? So the unity of the early church, and so the tuning fork is the outside element that brings us into unity the unity of the early church was not something that they did outwardly their hearts had been tuned by the holy spirit with the heart of jesus unity flowed in the relationship from the transformation of their heart and mind go with me to acts chapter 2 if you would actually yeah acts chapter 2 And we know that at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out. We have all the people that are in the upper room baptized with the Holy Spirit. They begin worshiping God, praying in the Spirit. And then those outside begin to hear them. In verse 8 it says this. How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Now watch this. Parthians and Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own language. So here's all these different nationalities and varieties and cultures coming together, and on the day of Pentecost, and then Peter preaches a message, and 3,000 of them get saved. So you have all these distinctions, individual distinctions coming together, but then you begin to read on, and we'll see in a few moments, that the church is continuing in the apostles' doctrine. And all these different cultures somehow have been brought into unity together. Because the Lord, by the Holy Spirit and the power of grace, tuned their hearts to the same note. Amen? To watch it. Grace tunes our heart into harmony with the heart of God. His heart brings a change to every relationship. It changes our personal relationship. It changes our work relationship. It changes marriage. It changes family. And it changes church. So look at this. Grace changes us from a crowd to a congregation. This morning, you're either part of a crowd or you're part of a congregation. Think about it like this. The difference between a crowd and a, and a congregation. How many of you have ever been to the movie theater where it's packed? I mean, you're just packed out. You walk in, you come to church and it's packing in there. And then you're feeling, you go, wait a minute, I don't, I don't really know anybody. And so you feel kind of isolated because you're crowded together, but you're not joined together. Okay. And so we came together, you go to the theater where we go there, we're, we're all here to same, see the same movie, but we're not really here to live by the same purpose. In church we come, well we're all here to hear the message, and say, but we're not really connected by the same purpose. And you become a congregation like this. The crowd will have common purpose in coming together, but no common purpose in leaving. You go from being a crowd to a congregation when we not only come together for the same reason, but we leave together for the same reason. We leave with purpose. We come together and we're built together. How many know that we are here to build the kingdom of God? Jesus is building his kingdom. He is building his church. And when we are baptized into his body, we are part of what he's doing in the earth. And when our lives get united around the common purpose, then we leave together with that same purpose. We live under the great commission, going to all the world and preach the gospel, share the good news with everyone we come in contact with. So church must be the place where people are not only drawn together on common ground, but leave together with a common purpose to establish 
foundation to build the kingdom of God. Are you with me this morning? All right. So let's look, look at the book of Acts as a picture of God's grace. Go with me, you're there. But look at chapter 2, and we'll continue on. Jump down to verse 42. Now watch this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And it says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now all who believed came together by the power of God's grace. They're safe. And now they're united around this common core note of grace. And they're beginning to work together and be connected together and involved together. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need, so continuing daily with what? One accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, as we read, remember, here, here's 11, all, all these different nationalities and backgrounds coming together, but now they're continuing daily and they're in the temple and they're house to house, but they're united together. So grace has done this amazing thing that these people who never would have got together are now able to come together in a way that they become one together. Are you with me this morning? And that's how, and listen to me. Here, you say, Pastor, why are you preaching on this in this direction? Because the divorce rate in the church is as high as it is in the world. So it means that we're getting married in Christ, but we're not being united together as one. We're doing marriage the way we did it before we got saved. We're not being changed in our relationship. So I need to renew my heart. I need to renew my mind and how I perceive how I do relationship. If, if I join church like I join a social club and then I get in there and I don't like that, then I just go from social club to social club because I'm not relating. But wait a minute. This isn't a social club. This is the body of Christ and I am grafted in as a living member of this body and for me to be pulled out means that the body gets amputated in some way it's handicapped in some way and I'm needed here amen and I need to understand that and I need to protect what God wants to do in my life in his body now watch this so the book of Acts are there, they're worshiping, their hearts are transformed, and, and something happened is that their heart, a transformed heart, leads us to extravagant worship. It's extravagant when different people come together and are unified together, when they're caring about one another, they're concerned about the needs, they're not just coming out and go, coming in and going out and going their own way, they're truly concerned about one another. Amen. And, and if I can help and if I can do that and you begin to see, they begin to look at the Well, what do I have? Well, well I, I could sell this. I don't need all this stuff. I could sell this and I could give to the needs of the poor. I could give to make sure. But something they weren't thinking like that before they got saved. They, they weren't concerned about anybody else. They were going on about their life. They're caught up in the world and where they live. But now grace has so changed their heart. Their heart changed. Now they're thinking differently. And now when they come together, they're even interacting differently. Are you with me this morning? So look at it. Their hearts were open, and they became extravagant in their worship, extravagant in their generosity, and their relationship with God and people. Their hearts were open, and their homes were open. Grace had enlarged both areas of their life. To be in one place in one accord is a work of grace. Unity is having our lives, again, tuned to the same pitch 
by the Holy Spirit. So we come together and we hear the word. Yes, I agree. That's it. And then it's amazing. It's just like, look at, look what's happening when we talk about prayer. We share and the pastor's going, hey, we'll come together and we'll come together and we'll come together. What is bringing us together? We're all tuned by the same Spirit. Different churches, but we're tuned to the same Holy Spirit. Are you with me? We're saved by the same grace. And, and we understand that, that, that prayer is important, that we need to pray. We understand. We, we don't just say it and say amen. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, you have to humble yourself to pray. Because what that means is that, is that to pray, I have to believe that I can't fix this. I need help. The humility of prayer is getting past your self-sovereignty. Because I don't need to pray if I'm a self-sovereign. I fix my own life. I take care of my own life. And when I can, I ask God, hey, you want to help out? And, you know, just come on, come on over here, jump in, big guy, whatever, the man upstairs, whatever kind of flaky comment you have towards him. But humility, humility is when I live knowing I need your grace in my life. I can't do this without your help. So it keeps me humble where I'm constantly calling upon His grace to move through my life. We're not going to fix our nation by voting in the right presidential candidate. We're not going to fix our nation by passing the right law. We're going to fix our nation when God's people humble themselves and pray and God pours His Spirit out again upon it and, and we change heart that would be, have changed mind that will change relationships. Are you with me? But we have to humble ourselves to do that because we think we can just, by our own strength, choose a better candidate, invoke better laws, and enact better changes, and somehow we'll make a better life for ourselves, but we need God. Amen? So hear me this morning. A heart transformed by grace not only produces unity in our relationship, but it releases generosity in our relationship like never before. You live larger towards the people you're in relationship with. You care more about them, and you're connected on a greater level. You're not no longer just thinking about yourself. So here they are. They're looking at what's going on, and they're not just concerned about themselves, but they're concerned about the needs of others. The giving of the local church was the outworking of grace in their lives. Grace changed them to do this. This week, as I was going over this and just praying about this, I wrote this down in some of my other notes. I want you to hear this. My heart is this. I want you to believe in the principles of giving and honoring God with the resources of your life from the context of God's word and his promises to you. They got a hold of this. Not because of compulsion of a need or any necessity of the ministry of the church. I watched me do this, and, and we found out that we have to put need out. And if you show a great need, if we do this or we do that, and, and then, then people get moved by compulsion of a need. But our generosity should flow out of the transformation of our hearts. That, God, I, I just want to live in a way, like Sean said, I, I want to fling forth. I, I want to disperse abroad. Something in, me, something in me just wants to help. Amen? And, and, and it just gets on you all the time. This week while I was down there, I, I, went, I went and got lunch, and I thought I was, I was hungry, so I, I, I drive through McDonald's, and, and I bought two McChicken sandwiches because they're like a buck. And so I drive through there, and you get like on their dollar, you can get a good meal on the dollar menu. My wife is going to get mad at me here in a minute. But, in, uh, but I'm driving through, and so I have these two. I thought, man, I'd eat two of those and, 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 and a soft drink and that. And so I'm driving back to the church and stuff, and I said, man, I don't need to eat two of these. 
I, I wonder if I could give this away. And, and, and no sooner as I got to turn on Micron Avenue off of, off of Bradshaw, there, there's a Chevron station there. And, and here comes a, a homeless gentleman pushing his cart across. It. I said, oh, praise God. So I just pull in, and the guy thought I was trying to run him over, and I'm honking my horn and stuff, and he's got a shopping cart all filled with stuff, and I'm honking my horn, and he's looking at me like, oh, this guy's going to kill me in his truck. And so I rolled him, hey, bro, 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 come here, come here, come here. And so I got, man, I bought two of these. I am not going to be able to eat both of these. Could I just give this to you? Amen. And, and what I found is that, so I said, God, I don't want to just throw it away. I, I don't need to eat it. And if I don't find somebody to give it to, well, who would I give it to? You know, I can't just walk up to somebody getting gas. Hey, you want a sandwich, you know? They're, they're not going to understand. Are you doing all right? <laughs> hey, Ben. Hey, you know, I have a kind of piggy attitude when I drove through the drive-thru. I just thought I'd bless you because... They're going to go, yeah, whatever, dude. But this guy had a need. And so, but if you, if you start thinking like that, God will actually give you and put opportunity in your way. You understand that? I, I don't think it was by chance that that guy was there that, that I could give that to. Praise the Lord. And maybe God made me feel real hungry so I could bless him. I don't know. But it, the opportunity was there. You live differently. Amen? Now stay with me. Watch this. Grace changes us in such a way go with me to ephesians chapter 2 grace changes and transforms our homes grace changes our ability to live with people how many know it takes the power of god's grace by the holy spirit working in our hearts and lives in order for husbands to love their wives as christ loved the church how many know you're not going to do that in your own strength how many know it takes the power of God's grace for wives to honor their husbands? That takes grace. It takes the same power for children to honor their parents. Amen? It takes that same power for us to honor our parents. Ephesians 5. And beginning in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church was subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Here's an amazing thing. Over the years, as we've done uh, marriage vows and stuff, one of the things that's taken out of our marriage vows predominantly today is that type of statement of, of, of headship and lordship. And in order to flow in proper headship, it takes grace to understand it, and it takes grace to walk in it. Amen? But look what it said, verse 25. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I think Paul should have put that first. Because when husbands do their job, wives respond accordingly. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. So husbands are supposed to be sanctifying and cleansing their wives. Are we doing all right? Okay, verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does his church. Amen. So we are members of his body, his flesh and his bones. And he says, for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother, joined to his wife, and the two shall become what? 
one flesh, and this is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let wives, the wife see that she respects her husband. How many know that takes grace? And even understanding that, how we relate to one another. And, and it takes grace takes us out of me and brings us into us as one. Doing all right? And it takes power to do that, but that has to happen in my heart. Look at these last statements as the worship team comes back. Transformation in our relationship is the proof of transformation in our hearts and minds. When our hearts are renewed and our minds are renewed, we are changed within. A new heart and a new mind changes how we will view, respond, and interact with one another. Amen. If we're struggling in our relationship, if we struggle in church, then we're not living by grace. If we struggle in our marriages, on our jobs, and all these places, then we're doing everything out of our flesh and not out of the power of God's grace. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5, if you would. Or actually, I put it in your outline, and they'll probably have it up. Paul says this. And I want you to hear this. I said it at the beginning, but I have it here in the outline in another way. Grace is the life force of God's Spirit working in us. I want you to get that. If you don't get anything else out of the message this morning, get that statement right there. If you have a pen, underline it in your outline, mark it. But grace is the life force of God's Spirit working in your life. That's what grace is. It's not something separate. It is the life and the force of the Holy Spirit working in our life. The grace of God empowers us by His Spirit to live the transformed life. But it takes the conscious choice of choosing life in the Spirit over life in the flesh. So we hear all that. Grace is available. Grace is available. God's grace. God's grace. God. Yes. But look at what Galatians 5 and says here in verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill what? The lust of the... So I have to choose to walk in the Spirit. You and I daily have a choice. Am I going to walk in the Spirit, or am I going to get over here in the lust of my flesh? How many know lust doesn't always mean sexual perversion? It doesn't just mean, lust sometimes can be just the lust of always having my way, the lust of always being right, the lust of always the one, but everything goes for me, everything works out for me, everything pleases me. That's a lust, because that's a self-worship. Amen? Lust is the, Ed Cole gave the best definition. I haven't said it for a long time. You can write it on the back page of your outline. Never forget this, that when I heard it, it, it branded in me. I never forgot it. Lust takes at the expense of others because lust desires to get. Lust will always take at the expense of someone else because lust desires to get. So it says, walk in the Spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't be taking. Lust takes. But if I walk in the Spirit, love gives. It's the other half of it. Love gives at the expense of self because love desires to give. Lust desires to take. Love desires to give. 
Lust takes at the expense of others. Love gives at the expense of self. We read in that. Here they have, they're gathered together. They have all things in common. Their hearts have been transformed by grace. They look at their connection in the body of Christ. Wait a minute. I have something that I could sell and give the proceed to give to the needs of others. Because my heart has been transformed by love and the power of God's grace. So now from my heart, I desire to give. I love my brothers and sisters. And now there's this radical transformation. I'm extravagant in my worship of God and in my giving and my living because my heart has been extravagantly transformed by God's grace. Amen? Hallelujah. So it changes it. Romans 8 says it like this. It's there in your outline. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you, everybody say you, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. So every day, grace is available to you and I to be led by the Spirit in our relationships. Grace is available to change your heart. Grace is available to renew your mind. The work of grace transforms our heart and changes our minds. Amen? Renew. But then it's a, every day the power is available. It's available to be led by the Spirit. That means that I get over in there and I go, God, instead of reacting, what do I do? Sometimes just pause. Sometimes the best response is no response. Jack Hayford made a great statement this week. You want to hear a great statement? The best way to win an argument over Scripture is to never fight about doctrine. But to live out a dynamic truth. Don't fight about it. Live it. You don't have to argue about it. Just live it out. Well, I think that, that's cool. You think, I'm just going to live by this. I'm going to live by God's grace. I'm going to live by God's truth. Yeah, but I don't believe this. That's fine. God bless you. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to live out this dynamic truth. And, and, and you'll see this truth. And they go, wow, I see something. What's different? I'm just living this truth that you don't think is for today. Amen? It's just like with the Holy Spirit. All that's available to us in the Holy Spirit. When the Bible says pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Build yourself up in the Spirit. So what I do, grace is available. I pull back, God, I just need to pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, lead me. That's why I put this confession. Today I'm going to yield myself to be led by the Spirit. I, I'm not going to respond. I'm going to allow Him to lead me. I'm going to I'll pull back. I'll pray. I'll wait on the Lord. And Holy Spirit, your grace will come and show me in this relationship, whether it's in church, whether it's at home, whether it's on my job, whether it's this. And I don't know about you. I don't always live by grace in that area. Sometimes I blow it supremely, almost daily. But it's not because grace wasn't available. It's because I chose to go with the flesh instead of walking in the Spirit. And grace is there to empower us to put to death the things that are in our flesh and live by the Spirit. Amen? Do me a favor. Just set anything out of your, just set everything aside just for a moment. Just for a moment. I just want to do something maybe different this morning. Or so big, we thought we'd come in, we'd do all this stuff. And I want you to just take a moment. They're going to lead us in a worship song. And I just want you just to sit this morning. Just everything out of your hands and, and that and just waiting. 
But just sit in the presence of God and just think about His grace this morning. Think about His love, His grace that's available to you. In a moment, we'll pray together. But I want you, as they lead us in worship, I want you just to let the Holy Spirit come by the power of His grace. Let that grace work in your life. Just begin to talk to the Lord about your relationship. Father, how am I doing with church? Because, Lord, you said if I can't love those I see, how can I love you that I can't see? But, Lord, how am I doing in loving my brothers and sisters? Lord, how am I doing at home? How is grace working in my home, on my job? And just a moment, just let God's grace come to you. Maybe there'll be a place where you just need to ask God, Father, forgive me for not walking by grace and letting your power work in my life. It's been available, but I've just been self-driven instead of being submitted, instead of being submitted and yielded to the power of your grace. Just wait there right in the presence of God just for a moment. Go ahead, Wayne. Yes, Lord. Yes, Father, we worship you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Father, we worship you. Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you. Lord, work in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we bless you. We honor you today. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, let your grace change us. Thank you for your grace, Father. God, you change our hearts. You renew our minds, God. You transform every relationship of our life, God.
Thank you for your grace that works in our life. Thank you, Father, for your transforming grace, God. Lord, you do amazing things, God. Help us to walk in love. Help us to walk in forgiveness towards one another. Bless you. just stand with me this morning hallelujah maybe you're here today and you need prayer in an area of your life we prayed for Jeff as he's going in for his surgery but maybe you're here today and there's somebody here that's been Teresa had a word that somebody's praying about infertility maybe somebody trying to have a child in that area and that somebody else who needs a real breakthrough in your finances or any other area that you need. You need the power of God's grace to break through. And many times just to set our hearts at peace. I've found many times my answer comes when I just let go and I walk in the Spirit. I don't try to produce it myself. I just wait on the Lord and allow Him to lead me and bring that thing to pass in my life. So if you need prayer in that area or any place else, then you, we, any other situation, you come. We want to pray for you. As they lead us just for another moment, then we're here to pray with you. Sue and some of our other leaders are here. We'd love to pray with you. So if you need prayer, you come. Let us pray with you. Go ahead, God. Be lifted. Hallelujah. Second row, but I just go pray for him. Go ahead, ask him if you can pray for him. Be lifted high. Amen. Father, you said if two on earth touch and agree. Lord, that it would be done for them by our Father who is in heaven. Father, I pray for Gina right now, Father, and her family and her children, Lord. Lord, you know exactly the best situation. You know everything, Father, about this circumstance. So, Father, we just roll the care of it over on you. You said we didn't have to worry. You said we didn't have to be, to be concerned about it, but in everything to trust you, to release it to you. So, Father, I just pray a release of your peace in her heart right now. Lord, I thank you you're going to cause every circumstance to work out according to your favor upon her life. Lord, I thank you you're going to give her the grace she needs 
even in this relationship, Father, to know exactly how to respond, how to be led by your spirit, Father. You're going to direct her. You're going to guide her. You're going to give her the right words at every moment, the right response at every moment. So I release your peace over her life right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your grace upon our lives. Father, thank you that you do truly transform our hearts and renew our minds by the power of your grace. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the grace working in our life. It is your power, your grace, your presence that changes and transforms us. Holy Spirit, we purpose to be led by you to yield in every situation, in every circumstance, not to be drawn by our lusts and our desires, but, Father, to be directed by the power of your love and your grace, to love others, to live larger, to allow you to change us in such an extravagant way that it affects every area and every relationship of our life. Lord, I pray your peace, your promise, your promotion over your people today. Father, let them be blessed and know that your hand is upon them. Show your goodness upon their life. Keep them safe. Father, cause your health to be upon them, your blessing to flow through their life. Let them show your extravagant love to others every place they go. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a good praise. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we have intercessory prayer. Something dynamic happens when we pray together. Don't forget, Tuesday night we have service. And then please come.